بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد صلی علی رسول الکریم بعد جنرلی انہیں سندے آفتنوں دے ٹھاک واز دس ٹو وٹ وی آر ریڈنگ فرام یو دے واز اٹس اے ٹھاک حضرت اللہ حضرت شاہ حکیم اختر صاحب رحمۃ اللہ علیہ سو دا آبجیکٹ اینڈ دا پرپز وی دے سی talk as such as we understand it whether it's something being read from a kitab purpose is for us to take some lesson and to inshallah practice upon what we learn this is the kitab the way to a happy married life that we have been reading over the past few days and the purpose for selecting this particular was which has a delivered many many years ago is that unfortunately we find many many situations where homes are in a very difficult situation marriages are in a very difficult situation and often this is due to negligence in some very basic aspects either due to ignorance also and apart from ignorance sometimes there are a lot of things we already know but a lot of negligence in implementing those things that we have learned we have heard these things before but the implementation of it is unfortunately missing often and therefore these results in so many difficulties and hardships that we experience so thus far they were the ayat of the quran sharif that are recited in the khutbah of the nikah two of the ayat were read and discussed we now have the third ayat of the quran sharif which has a mentioned in the talk that he delivered and he explained this so a verse pertaining to the khutbah of nikah listen now to the third verse that was recited in the nikah that is recited in the nikah khutbah allah taala says ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu taqullaha wa qulu qawlan sadida o believers fi allah taala and speak clearly and correctly Allah Ta'ala starts off with Ya Ayyuhal Ladeena Amanu Taqullah Attain piety in every walk of life and choose the path of obedience when you speak as well So the taqwa is not confined to some things only Taqwa governs everything we do and how we speak, what we speak that too must be in the light of taqwa and in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala speak clearly and correctly converse in such a manner in which love is maintained and all matters remain pleasant do not go over the limits do not approach the boundaries of arguments and fights allah taala further says yuslih lakum a'malakum allah taala will accept your good deeds yuslih lakum a'malakum allah taala will accept your good deeds in all the commentaries yuslih lakum has been translated as yataqabbal in ruhul maani khazin as well as bayan al quran of hakim al umma rahmatullah alayh and other commentaries state the meaning of yuslih lakum a'malakum as yataqabbal hasanatikum allah taala will accept your good deeds therefore the performance of good deeds necessitates acceptance in that one who is accepted will be able to perform good deeds when will one be able to perform good deeds when sincerity is attained when actions are performed for the pleasure of allah taala also from this we learn 
that the one who is excessively involved in arguments and fights at home, or for that matter a woman in the same situation who keeps arguing and getting involved in fights, places in danger the acceptance of good deeds. The very deep point that Hazrat is mentioning, that from this we also learn that the one who is excessively involved in arguments and fights at home, or for that matter a woman who does the same, places in danger the acceptance of good deeds. This is very easy for us to understand from one example that we are talking about the correct use of the tongue and the warning is well the, the encouragement is that use the tongue correctly and this will lead to the acceptance of your amal. So the converse of it will be that the incorrect use of the tongue will result in the amal being rejected. Now this rejected meaning that for example now the incorrect use of the tongue, the person starts making ghibad, he starts swearing at someone, what's going to be the end result of this? Where are all his amal going to go to? So he acquired the amal, but then he gave it to somebody else. So this is the safeguard of the amal that the person looks after his tongue. Allah Ta'ala is giving us this guidance that look after your tongue and this will result in the acceptance of your actions. On the other hand, one whose speech is embellished with sweetness and softness enjoys a further bounty of piety and Allah Ta'ala says, وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Now he adopted taqwa, so the further bounty Allah Ta'ala says will be Allah Ta'ala will forgive your sins. That insan is insan, he can make some mistake somewhere, but if he is trying his best to live his life with taqwa, then Allah Ta'ala with the barakat of that taqwa will grant him the forgiveness of his sins. And one who obeys Allah Ta'ala and his Rasul will become successful. As mentioned previously, that there are only three ayat that are sunnah that is recited in the khutbah of nikah. The whole Quran Sharif is filled with guidance. Every guidance is there. But now this is a specific occasion and on the specific occasion obviously the it's not possible now for a person to be given the advice of the entire Quran Sharif from beginning to end. Time is limited. And this was the Mu'ajiza of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Allah ta'ala had blessed him with that jawami'ul kalim. He would say a few words and encompass the whole ocean in it. Likewise, his selection of the ayat of the Quran Sharif is also part of that same mu'ajiza. That for this particular occasion, the selection that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made and this became his sunnah that these ayat be recited on the occasion of nikah that this is complete guidance. It encompasses everything that a person needs to bear in mind to make this marriage work in a positive manner to be successful. So the first thing that we discussed about this was that all the three ayahs, the central theme is taqwa. To the extent there is taqwa from both sides, to that extent there will be that peace, that happiness. Because dunya is a place of challenge. Challenges will come. But if the challenges are dealt with with taqwa, then it's very, very easy and very quick to resolve those challenges. 
and to overcome them. But if taqwa is missing, then the complications will start. A person has taqwa on his tongue, so now there might be complications, he might get provoked someday, whatever. But this taqwa on his tongue, he won't use one vulgar word. He won't say anything demeaning. He'll deal with the issue. Often, the issue gets left one side, and the issue might have been anything else, but the argument and the fight becomes personal. Whatever the issue was, that might have been a very small thing, minor thing too, that gets left one side. And things that are totally unrelated, things that don't have any relevance to the matter at hand, all that starts becoming an issue, and things become personal, and what one small thing leads to what not. Again, coming to the point that only three ayat have been selected by Rasulullah for this occasion. And this third ayat pertains to the tongue. The central theme in all the ayat is taqwa. And in this ayat, the use of the tongue. Now, subhanallah, this is the intikhab nubuwad it's the selection of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and everything he did was by inspiration and wahi from Allah Taala. Ma yantiqu anil hawa in huwa illa wahyu juha. Even his selection was wahi. If one ponders over it, that if the tongue comes under control from both parties, both spouses keep their tongue under control, things are going to be said from time to time, but it's said in a way that's meant to be said correctly. It's said in a way that deals with matters in the manner that it should be dealt with, then comfortably one can say that 90% of the issues would be resolved. There won't be 90% of the problems that we experience nowadays. It's not that there won't be challenges, but if both parties got their tongues under control, then those challenges would get very easily resolved. Because now you're only dealing with that issue and both are dealing with it in a dignified manner. Both are dealing with it in a courteous way, because they got their tongues under control. So as a result, that issue doesn't escalate. Rather, in a very nice way, it gets resolved. So, in this ayat, Allah Ta'ala is giving us this guidance of the tongue, and Nabi Islam selects this for the khutbah of nikah. So what a deep message this is, that if the tongue comes under control, 90% of the day-to-day, run of the day, Issues that come up and become problems out of nothing, all get done. This tongue, the use of the tongue, we take it as one of those things, but those who truly understood how sensitive this tongue is, how dangerous the misuse of the tongue can be, and this is in the light of all the ayat of the Quran Sharif, all the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So many ahadith regarding the use of the tongue. One is those, that category of ahadith that deal with specific aspects in terms of the evils of ghibat, lying, carrying tales, and swearing, cursing. These are all things that happen with the tongue. All these, they are separate warnings and separate ahadith pertaining to each of these things and so many more. But on a general note also, there's so many ahadiths about the use of the tongue, the correct use of the tongue. 
وهل يكب الناس في النار الا حصائد السنتهم او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وان حديث نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم says what else is going to throw people into the fire of jahannam apart from what they are earning with their tongues what a general manner in which this is being explained which is highlighting that such a great number of people will fall in jahannam purely because of their tongues hal yakubun nas fi nar illa hasaid alsinatihim the word hasaid literally refers to the harvest the crop that has been harvested in other words what a terrible harvest that this lesson in this is also that a harvest can be such a wonderful thing people's lives revolve around the harvest many many people's lives who are in the farming sector etc their whole life revolves upon that harvest they start off the beginning of the year and cultivating the land and uh, planting the seeds and then watering it and waiting for the rain to come and then looking after that field all this is waiting for the end of that season when the harvest will be reaped and if that harvest is good then the whole year is done so the whole life revolves around that harvest whole communities survive on that harvest now in other words the stung had that opportunity to harvest so much good it could have harvested such great things but unfortunately what it harvested was such a disaster it harvested what's taking the person towards jahannam hazrat abu bakr siddiq radhiyallahu ta'ala an can we imagine the caliber of the person really we can never imagine and he is sitting somebody observes him that he's sitting the same muhasaba that we had discussed some nights ago that those who truly have this concern then they take stock of themselves and to the extent that people are closer to allah taala and more uh, free from all these problems they make more muhasaba and they are more concerned and we who are very far away from the realities unfortunately we take it for granted so he was a person of that caliber how far away he was from ever misusing the tongue but yet this muhasaba is taking in a stock of myself he's sitting and he's holding his tongue and so to say he's tugging it to give it some kind of pain and he's saying inna hada awradani almawarid this could be in problems what kind of problems he might have ever fallen in due to his tongue at the most it might have been one sly little maybe didn't use the word that could have been even better in that one moment might be something one sly little but now he is chastising himself and reminding himself that this this is what put me in problems this took me into difficulties so abdullah bin abbas radiyallahu ta'ala he is sitting he is also holding on to his tongue and he's addressing it he's talking to himself muhasaba o muraqaba call it either on the he's now reminding himself saying look you talk what is good you'll benefit otherwise keep quiet because then too you'll be safe either you do what is good now this is actually the internalizing of the hadith sharif man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرًا أَوْ لِيَسْمُتْ The one who has Iman in Allah and the Day of Judgment, 
Now Iman, Iman is not confined only to those, these two things. A person's Iman must be on everything. His Iman must be on all the fundamentals of faith. But again, in this particular advice, as an introduction to it, so it's not meant that Iman in Allah and the last day means that Na'uzubillah, the other things are not required. It includes everything. But again, the expression and this introduction to the advice. Again, this is Kalam and Nubuwat. These are the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And this introduction is not just coincidental. It is a very, very significant introduction. We are talking about the tongue. The advice Nabi Islam is giving that the one who believes in Allah and the last day, the day of judgment, so he must speak what is good, otherwise keep quiet. Speak what is good, otherwise keep quiet. Now the introduction, <coughs> the one who believes in Allah and the last day. Because the person who is conscious, Allah Ta'ala is aware of what I am saying. Allah Ta'ala knows what is the intention behind what I am saying also. Sometimes I might say something, apparently for one, something which appears to be very sincere, but my motive behind it is something else. What I am saying Allah knows, and what the motive behind it also, that to Allah Ta'ala knows. If I am saying something, and my intention behind it is to create friction. Outwardly I am just saying something very innocently, but my motive behind it is to create friction. Allah Ta'ala knows. If you've got Iman in Allah, then beware. Allah knows. That's what Allah Ta'ala is telling us. Nabi Islam is telling us. So on the one hand, this consciousness is being developed. Remember Allah knows. So if you have Iman in Allah, and obviously every mu'min has, so then now the person must be very conscious about what he's saying, why he's saying it. And then well, they don't think that what has been said is now done with. No, this is going to be accountable on the day of Qiyamah. This is going to come back on the day of Qiyamah. So now the person who has ingrained this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala and of the accountability of the day of Qiyamah, he will be able to make amal on this. And if the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala is lost, or the accountability of the day of Qiyamah is now forgotten, then the person will say what he wants to say. And then on top of that he'll say, I'll say what I want to say. He'll say it like that too. Nobody's going to stop me. I speak my mind. No, no, we're not allowed to speak our mind. Allah Ta'ala has given us a command, أَحْسَن No, no, we don't speak our mind. Because our mind, half the mind is corrupted. So half the things we say will be corrupted. Till that Islam hasn't been made, till that Tazkiyah hasn't been achieved, there's so much of corruption. So now what comes out, comes out from the heart and mind. So now if the heart is still corrupted, the heart is filled with so many ailments of the heart. So now the speech also is going to be then tainted with that. If you're going to say, I'll speak whatever comes to my mind. Therefore Allah Ta'ala is giving us a command. Tell my servants they must speak that which is best. Not anything comes to their mind. But Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. So, this aspect we are discussing that he is Abdullah bin Abbas he is now just reminding himself saying speak that which is good you will benefit 
Otherwise, keep quiet. You'll still be safe. You won't get into a problem. Or else, beware that you're going to regret. Or else, beware, you are going to regret. So somebody heard this. They overheard him now. He's sitting quietly somewhere and he is the same muhasaba, muraqaba. The Sahaba had time for him. The Sahaba Ikram, they had time for this. This was the muhasaba they were doing. This was the muraqaba they were involved in. And we have such busy lives that we have time for everything that's made us so busy. But time for some muraqaba, time for some muhasaba, that has become like an impossibility for us. There's no time for that. There's time for everything else. So they had time for muhasaba. So now somebody overheard him by chance. Asked him, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? So he then responded and said that on the day of Qiyamat, there will not be any other limb that a person himself will be more angry over. Like how a person sometimes gets upset over somebody, is very upset with someone, very upset over something somebody did. So you see, the person on the day of Qiyamat will not be more angry with anything than he'll be angry with his own tongue. Because when he sees now, Allah forbid, that what's waiting for him in terms of Allah Ta'ala protect us, the punishment as a result of what the tongue has caused. Now he will be, his whole anger will be directed to the tongue, but what is going to help? It's not going to make any difference to the matter then. So therefore I'm reminding myself from now, that look, say what is good, say what is right, then you'll benefit. Otherwise the least is keep quiet. And unfortunately this becomes the most difficult thing in life for most people. Whereas, to do anything, to speak also, there's an effort. You have to move the muscles of the mouth, the jaws have to move, and it's an effort, needs something to be done. It's a minimal effort. Some might say, no, no effort, it's automatic. But there's something involved. And to remain silent, there's nothing involved. And to do nothing, should be easier than doing something. But that doing nothing becomes more difficult than doing everything. A person will be easier for him to maybe shift a mountain, but more difficult to keep quiet. Keeping quiet becomes an impossibility. And this is why this Hadith Sharif, Man kana yu'minu billah wal yawmil akhir. Who will be able to keep quiet? Whose gaze is on this? That is Allah Ta'ala going to be pleased now with what's coming in my mind and heart, what I want to say, what I want to just blurt out. So that muhasaba before that action, before those words, the person whose consciousness, who's in his whose heart, the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala is there, he'll pause and think first. What am I going to say? Is this the right thing to say? Lama Shabbir Ahmad Usmani his guideline in this regard and this, what he's written that sums up so much of it. He says, Haq baat, Haq tariqe se, Haq niyat ke saath, be asar nahi jati. Haq baat, what a person is saying is the right thing, is a good thing. He's saying what is correct, he's saying the right thing. But then saying the right thing alone is not sufficient. Saying the right thing in the right manner. 
he's saying the right thing, but he's saying it in a very, very incorrect way. So that right thing that he said, mashallah, that was right, but the incorrect manner in which he said it, that is going to lose the effect of what he said. So saying the right thing, but to say it in the right way also. To say it in a way that does not break someone, it makes someone. It does not escalate the problem, it rather solves the problem. So saying the right thing in the right manner. But then that too is still not complete. Because the purpose of saying something, it must not be just for the sake of saying it. Or just because now somebody said something, so I must have my say. And that often becomes the situation that everyone wants to have the last say. Like there's five people involved in an issue, then all five will want to have the last say. So now Qiyamah will, will come, but that won't finish off. Because each time somebody said something, so somebody else must say something. And then the next person must say something. So even if there's two people also, but if that becomes the issue that I must have the last say, the Qiyamah will come then. And this stems again from the same issues that we discussed again, that if this reality of tawazu is there, this humility, that I am nobody, I am nothing, so fine, sometimes some issues come up, this is understood, this is part of life, these things happen, but then if this tawazu, anybody can now, sometimes in a moment he might end up saying something, but if this true tawazu, the true tawazu will lead a person to immediately reflect. Tawazu won't leave the matter as is. If there is humility in the heart, as insan, a person can slip up. As insan, he can make mistakes. Everybody can make a mistake. The Ambiyani Musalat were masoom and sinless. But insan, in his nature, so the Ambiyani Musalam are on a very different level. They are masoom, but after them, insan is insan. Yes, you'll get those insan who will make a mistake once in a couple of years. And somebody might make a mistake once a year maybe. And somebody might be once in a couple of months. And there'll be people like us who will make mistakes maybe every day. So insan is insan, he can make mistakes. But if there's tawazu in the heart, the person will immediately reflect. That, that it will kick in. And it will make him think. It will make him ponder, what did I say? Why did I do this? And because there's tawazu in the heart, then he made the mistake, but it will quickly make him make amends. So before something really became a problem, it already got sorted out also. It can happen anything, anywhere, in a relationship between spouses. It can happen sometimes between parents and children. It can happen between family members. It can happen in the workplace. It can happen anywhere. It happens. But if there's tawazu in the heart, then on the, f the first thing is, it will make a person think. It will make him reflect. What did I do? Why did I do this? It's not the right thing to say. And then, it will make him very quickly make amends. That very inspiring hadith and incident mentioned in Bukhari Sharif, which we've discussed previously as well. The incident between Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma on the one occasion when Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar were discussing something and again to keep reminding ourselves as we've had that 
detail after Asr one of the days, that these incidents happened in the lives of the Sahaba Ikram, Allah Ta'ala made it happen. To teach us how to conduct ourselves. So in that moment something got said. Abu Kirnano said something which offended Hazrat Umar But Abu Kirnano is the senior and Hazrat Umar is conscious of this reality. He got offended but this again is the lesson of conduct. That sometimes a senior also can make a mistake. This happened to be a mistake from the senior. So what was the reaction of the one who was junior to him? Did he retort? Did he then fly off the wheel as we say? No, no. He got hurt. He quietly woke up and walked away. Now, that was the Sometimes that is the best response if remaining in that place, if the, if the fear is that a person now might just start uttering something, blurting out something, then the safer thing is to quietly move away. So he woke up and left. Now again talking about that aspect, that if there's truly tawazu in the heart, Abu Bakr is the senior, and all the Sahaba understood his position. But as soon as, now this mistake happened, but because the reality of Tawazu was in the heart, despite being the senior, he reflected that this was my mistake. So therefore it's my mistake, I must make amends. So he comes along, behind Hazrat Umar and he is asking him, please pardon me, forgive me, my mistake. Can you imagine the caliber of Hazrat Abu Bakr Umar is his junior, but he understood that this was something I shouldn't have said. And we are talking about the Sahaba Ikram, it couldn't have, it's beyond our imagination, it's an impossibility that it was something, the kind of things we say. But how do the question? But nevertheless, whatever it was, the sensitivity of it caused some kind of Hurt was Umar So he quietly moved away. But Abu Bakr now immediately now that Tawazu kicked in. Because that, that was there. That was part of the system. That was part of life. So now he comes to ask for forgiveness. So Umar now at that moment was still overcome with that emotion. So he didn't say anything. And he walked straight into his house. So now he walked away into his house. So what does Abu Bakr now do? So now this was affecting him that what I did was not right. I didn't say the right thing. Now this is the the khashiyat of the sahaba. Now this is this is what this Islam is all about. To develop all these qualities in the heart. That taqwa is there. That tawazu is there. Now this khashiyat is there. That if I leave this undone, I mustn't be taken to task later by Allah Taala for this. Akhirat is still coming. So this was now, so what does he do? So his only place of solace now, come to the place, come to the company of Rasulullah and present the matter to him. He will assist to sort it out. Because I can't leave it undone. I can't leave it without being sorted out because I can't, I can't 
spend another moment with this burden on me. I made a mistake. But the tawazu was not just here and there. The tawazu was in all the sahaba. Hazrat Umar at that moment had been overwhelmed with that little emotion. So he had quietly gone into his house without responding to that request for being, for being pardoned. But in a very short time, he reflected. Now this tawazu. So it kicked in. He reflected that Abu Bakr is my senior. And he came to ask me for forgiveness. And I didn't respond. I mean, the heart is made. That gives rise to these thoughts. When the heart is filled with the fear of Allah Ta'ala, with the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, that Islam of the heart has been made, then the Islahi thoughts come up. Because the heart is the seed. The heart produces. So now this thought came. That Abu Bakr is my senior. And he came to ask me for forgiveness and I didn't respond. I can't allow this to happen. He comes out of his house. He comes out to ask for forgiveness. So he comes to the door of his Abu Bakr and to his house. So you know he's not here. So now he thinks that if he's not here, he can't be anywhere else. He can only be in the company of Rasulullah So he comes also along to Rasulullah Now in the meantime, as Abu Bakr had reached, when he was still coming in, there were other Sahaba sitting by Rasulullah at that time. The Beast takes one look at Abu Bakr as he's approaching. And that one look, the face says a lot of things. And now we're talking about the eyes of Nubuat looking at the face. Nabi Islam says to the Sahaba, Inna sahibakum hadha qad ghamara. That your companion, he has had some issue with somebody. One look on the face, if some issue has happened somewhere. He's coming with the grief of something happened. As Abu Bakr comes in, and now he, he's concerned, I need to get this cleared. I can't be walking around with this burden on my head. I made a mistake. I need to sort it out. So that was the concern that brought him. And therefore this is what he's presenting. That I came, I, I made a mistake, but then I went to seek forgiveness, but then he didn't respond. So in other words, now I'm at the loss, now what do I do? But Rasulullah consoles him and says, Ghafar Allahu laka ya ababak. No, Allah Ta'ala forgive you. In the meantime, now Hazrat Umar Lana is coming. As Hazrat Umar Lana is approaching, Nabi Salaam sees him. Nabi Salaam's face changes. Meaning there's some signs of some anger. Now, this is a very different matter that Abu Bakr Lana's position and maqam was such that Nabi Sallallahu was not pleased that he should be put under any kind of stress and difficulty by anybody. So on that basis Nabi Sallallahu was now getting somewhat upset that why did the Umar not respond in a positive manner? Now this was part of the tarbiyat of the Sahaba. They also went through this phase of tarbiyat but this was their tarbiyat. Once something was taught to them and that was it. So Abu Bakr is witnessing this, he's right in front there, he's seeing it and he's already reading the situation. What's going to be the outcome here just now? So the Umar is going to come and Allah forbid he gets reprimanded. I can't allow that to happen. 
in order to... Now just now there was an issue between them. But the hearts were clean. The tongue, sometimes something just slipped out, but the hearts were clean. So Mukhanlanu came himself to now present the case just now. What is his reaction now? He sits upon his knees to show his utmost humility in the matter. And then he says, Wallahi kuntu ana azlam ya Rasulullah. Wallahi kuntu ana azlam ya Rasulullah. Repeat this. Oh Rasulullah, it was my fault. I was at fault. In other words, it was not Umar's, Badilanu's fault. It was my fault. Trying to divert any reprimand that might come towards Hazrat Umar. Just now he came with the case. Now he is defending Hazrat Umar. Nabi Wasallam didn't say anything to Hazrat Umar. He addressed the Sahaba in general. And he said to them, Hal antum li sahibi? Will you leave my companion for me? Don't trouble him. Don't give him any taklif. This was the love Nabi Salaam had for Abu Bakr love. Look, please, if he makes a mistake also, you should treat it differently. That's a very great lesson for us again. That sometimes the person has a certain position in deen. He can make a mistake also. But, that years of khidmat the person made, what service he did for the Islam and the Muslims, all the sacrifices that he's made for ages, when we were still not even conscious of anything, he was sacrificing his time and health and wealth and effort and so many things he did due to which Allah knows best the barakat of those efforts could have reached to us in so many ways. He can also make a mistake. But we will treat his mistake differently. One is a shari matter. Something that is wrong is wrong. So we can't condone something that is wrong. But if he has slipped up somewhere, he did something which wasn't sometimes too appropriate. He said something by mistake out of turn. It can happen. But we will have to consider his position and situation. In the hadith of Abu Dawud Sharif, Rasulullah says, Aqilu zawil hayati asaratihim. Those whom Allah Ta'ala has blessed with some kind of position, then overlook their faults. Meaning things that of day-to-day issues, Obviously, something is a shari matter, halal, haram. There's no uh, issue about, well, say this is because so-and-so did it, then the haram became halal, na'uzubillah. No such thing. But, those slip-ups, those mistakes, we won't deal, if our father said something by mistake, we won't deal with him the way we will deal with it if our son said it. The son said something, he'll be reprimanded. And if it requires that some kind of form of punishment be meted out for whatever was said, that too will be done. But does it mean now because that statement attracted a punishment here, so if by chance our father said he will do the same, he can't do the same. Deal with it accordingly. But the point again, the aspect we were discussing, that the lessons that we learn from this incident, that this true tawazu in the heart, when the heart, the Islam of the heart has been achieved, has been made, then, then two mistakes can happen. But, if that tawazu is there, the person will immediately reflect, is this my fault? And yes, it's my fault, and I can't, 
Not that now I must do whatever it is to try and somehow justify it. I said the wrong thing, it slipped out, but now that it slipped out, how can I ever retract this? And where must I go and ask somebody else for forgiveness? And why should I humble myself in front of anybody? So now I must somehow try and cover up for this. Somehow I must cover up in some way or the other. So the, the words, now manipulate the words in some way, and just twist it some way, that this is not what I really meant, and I meant something else, and you took it out of, we know, we know what we said. We know what we said, we know what context it was, we know everything. But now somehow to twist and turn it and say you took it out of context and this is what I meant. The simple thing was to acknowledge my mistake, please ma, forgive me. We don't lose anything. The person who acknowledges his wrong, acknowledges his mistake and seeks forgiveness, he doesn't lose anything, he gains, he gains a lot. For that moment it might seem that he lost, he didn't lose, he won. Man tawada alillah, rafa'ahullah. The one who humbles himself for Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will elevate him. So if this, that tawazu is in the heart, the person number one will reflect. Immediately, quickly he'll reflect. And then he will be uneasy until he makes amends. He won't be able to sit at ease until he has put the matter to rest in the correct manner, in the appropriate way. He won't leave it hanging in the air. So the whole thing comes down again to what we've, what we've brought into the heart. The Mashayikh states that the heart, this is the statement of one of the Mashayikh, that the heart is like a pot. And the pot will boil with whatever is in it, whatever is there will keep cooking. The tongue is a spoon. And the spoon dishes out what is in the pot. So if there's sweetness in the heart, there's sincerity in the heart, there's compassion in the heart, there's that yearning to make in the heart, there's that islah in the heart, there's that tawazu and humility in the heart, there's that khashiyat and fear of Allah Ta'ala in the heart, and the tongue will keep dishing out all this. The tongue will dish out words which will make. The tongue will dish out words which will endear people to one another, which will bring about peace and harmony which will make people reflect on akhirat, which will make people become more conscious of Allah Ta'ala, which will bring about muhabbat. Because what's in the heart, that's the pot. So the spoon will keep dishing out this. And Allah forbid if there's something else in the heart, and that's what the spoon is going to dish out. It'll dish out what's going to cause friction, what's going to cause dissension, what's going to break. So all these things then become the norm become the order of the day. So the very, very great emphasis in the ahadith is on the safeguarding of the tongue. That the tongue must not be used in a way that a person, he destroys his dunya and he destroys his akhirat. And this is the major azab of the misuse of the tongue. Many other sins catches up with a person if it's not sorted out, it catches up with a person in the akhirat. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. But the disaster of the tongue is that the, the effects of what was said catch up with the person very quickly already in dunya because of the problems that it shows. It just destroys the peace. It destroys the happiness. Then a person with all whatever he has also to, he's living a very, very miserable life. 
very, very hollow and shallow and very empty life. Because so many, everything around is so miserable. So without, uh, with all the comforts and luxuries and whatever else too, that life is like tasteless. But if there's muhabbad, really there's no price to muhabbad. There is no price to muhabbad. Many a times, people, they barter away muhabbad for the things of dunya. And one is for the things of dunya. Obviously, a person is entitled to something, he has a valid claim over something, in a dignified manner, he must present his claim. That incident that we mentioned many times about, there was an issue, Hazrat Mufti Mahmoud Sahib Rahmatullah mentioned this incident, Hazrat Sami Rahmatullah Ali, it means Mawais it is, that there was a problem, there was some claim, some matter between two brothers. So this matter, they tried to resolve it and mediate it and whatever else, but nothing seemed to bring the conclusion. So eventually it went to court. Now the court in India in those days, and these people were living in a village, so the, they had to get to court by horse and cart. So in the morning now, it's a story that to get all the way there, so the one brother already had come out, now they're living next door to each other, they're neighbors. So one had already come out with his horse and cart, and the other came out of his house, both are going to court obviously. So the one said, well my cart is already outside, why don't you jump in? So he jumped in. They went together to court. So now the case came, started. So now while the case is obviously, they are on opposite sides. Then now the interval came, the interval came for the side, now there will be a time for break, for lunch or whatever. So now they sat together and they are sharing their lunch. Then the next day, again the case was still carrying on, the next day the other brother happened to take his cart out first, so he said, well, I am out today first, you come along. So they went along together, they went to court, and now they are on opposite side, and then again they are sharing their lunch, and this carried on for a few days, and then it gets adjourned and whatever. In the interim, one of the brothers passed away. So when one of the brothers passed away, the other brother came to the widow of his brother, his sister-in-law said, my dispute was with my brother. But now that he's no more here, you sign what you want. And you keep it. I have given up this dispute. We tried to resolve it. I thought I was right. He thought he was right. So fine, we tried to resolve it. But now that matter got left as is. But now I got no dispute. It's yours. Keep it. But despite the fact that there was a dispute, but the dispute was handled in a dignified manner to start off with. And that dispute didn't disrupt the muhabbat. There would have been some uneasiness, obviously. Human nature, there would have been some tension of some sort. But it didn't disrupt the muhabbat. That is a kamal. And there's no price to muhabbat. The whole world can't pay for muhabbat. And this might sound like just a statement. But there are people who have everything that money can buy. And they have so much of money that they don't know what to buy next. It's just a matter of now, it's an ongoing cycle now because that those funds are available, it needs to get invested somewhere. So now it's just an ongoing cycle. Otherwise they really don't know what to do with it. But they are crying for muhabbat. Because of whatever the circumstances are and how things have gone and what disasters have happened and they are crying for muhabbat. See, if I could have muhabbat I'll pay for it with whatever I have. Person has what money can buy, he doesn't have 
doesn't know what to do with his wealth. And he's just become a cycle now that he's buying something else and investing, buying another property because now that the funds that are being generated need to get employed somewhere. So that's the only reason why the cycle carries on. Whereas, the very simple thing, very easy thing to think about, but just somehow it doesn't occur in that way, that if there's so much I don't know what to do with it, so now whatever else is coming, put that in the, into my akhirat now. There's so many people in desperate situations, so many people don't know where their next meal will come from, so many people are going to bed hungry, so many people don't have the basic necessities of life, why not put this in my akhirat by sharing this with the less unfortunate? By sharing this with, in fact, the this, this statement less unfortunate, some of our mashayikh have cautioned us from using this less unfortunate. We really don't know who is more fortunate. That's only in the akhirat we'll know who is really more fortunate. Sometimes that person who had nothing might have come out to be more fortunate. Allah knows. Because by the time we finish off with our hisab kitab, that person will be in jannat. So it's not necessarily less unfortunate, but those who are in dire circumstances, nevertheless that's our responsibility. So, that's a very simple, logical way of looking at it then. If I don't know what to do with it, let me put it now in Akhirat at least. But in any case, the point we're making, that the person is crying for muhabbat. You see, if I can spend my whole, whatever I've amassed, spend it to buy muhabbat, I'll buy it. But there's no muhabbat anywhere. So there's no price to muhabbat. And often just with the loose words we just utter with our tongue, the loose statements we make, the careless comments we make, and just in order to appease that ego, just to have the upper hand, just to have the last say, and things are said, and as a result we regret, others regret, sometimes the damage is so deep that it can't be undone, but that's all due to our neglect of how to use the tongue correctly. This is that message and lesson in this ayat of the khud, uh, the ayat that is recited in the khutbah of nikah, that this is a very, very great lesson that has been given on this occasion. That look now, this is a new phase of life. And now two strangers are going to have to live together. They are bonded in nikah, they are not strangers, they have now, the closest bond has developed. But, they are still strangers in terms of their knowing what each other's temperament is, what are each other's likes and dislikes, preferences, how each one, what is their, how they react to things. Oh, there's going to be a process, it's going to be a learning curve. It's not going to happen overnight. And unfortunately, together with all the other problems that have come up in our lives, due to the fast lives that we have started leading, and the technology has made everything start happening at the press of a button, so like that, we want everything else to also happen instantly. Everything is instant now. Instant coffee, and then instant noodles, and then nowadays this. What's not? Everything you hear about is instant. Things you couldn't dream about, they say, no, this is now instant meals. This is the, Allah, Allah knows best how instant it is. But nevertheless, and many of these instant things, that's just a separate issue on the side, these are the things which now are being discovered are very harmful for health. Because what processes we already put into it to make it so-called instant. Those processes have destroyed many things in it which are good and have caused many issues to come into that whole product which are harmful for health. 
but it's just for the matter of time now, because it must be instant. One person said that one of the most, we're delving in some topic, we shouldn't be talking about, yeah, not our field, but he says one of the most, uh, which has been things which people are consuming at such a common, on such a common manner, and which is among the most harmful things for health nowadays, especially in the younger people, this has become like this instant noodles. It's almost the same kind of thing like eating plastic. Now, Allah knows best what the reality of these things are, but the point is, that was a separate issue, but everything is instant now. We are living in that microwave age. We put something, that which took now previously 10 minutes to get hot on the stove, now it's coming out in 10 seconds. All you can see is steaming. So now we want that marriage to also come on the same track like the microwave now. There's no microwave for that. That is still working on the same system. And the previous system was that everybody adopted that tolerance, they adopted that sabr, they had that akhlaq to give space to learn how to handle things correctly, to learn one another's temperament. So it took time, there were ups and downs, there were some challenges, but because the goal was common, it was a common goal, that we need to make this work correctly. Not that I must be the one that wins and I must have the upper hand, who must have the upper hand, no, no, no. This is a joint effort to make this work right. So the joint effort requires that I too must adopt akhlaq, and everybody must adopt akhlaq. The joint effort requires everybody to adopt sabr, because there will be issues, there will be challenges. But now we are in that microwave age now. And you get people coming within one month of marriage, two months of marriage, I don't think this will work out. Hardly one month has passed, two months have passed, already talking about, I don't think it will work out. Now he's, what he's talking about? Now he also even start, he's contemplating ending it up. The problem, besides all the other things, that the summer is become almost extinct, this helm and this tolerance, this has become almost extinct because we are in that microwave age. Everything must happen instantly. It doesn't happen like that. In things of life, the technology might cook the food instantly, but these things won't happen instantly. There's no microwave for this. This continues on the same original principles. So we need to give it that space, we need to adopt that akhlaq, we need to adopt that sabr. What is the akhlaq all about? We'll just round up on this, that we hear the word akhlaq and we talk about akhlaq and uh, what is the sum total of this akhlaq? That dealing with people in such a way that people become happy and Allah is happy also. Obviously the primary thing Allah Ta'ala must be happy. So within the limits of what Allah Ta'ala is happy with. So now we are trying to please somebody but in a way that Allah Ta'ala is going to be displeased that is not akhlaq. That can outwardly seem as courteous as can be, but we're providing something haram to appease somebody. Then they keep happy. No, no, that's not akhlaq. That is a very, very disastrous thing. But to deal with somebody in a way that Allah is happy and the makhluk becomes happy. Now, to make the makhluk also happy, Allah Ta'ala will be happy with this and the makhluk will be happy, obviously. Or Allah Ta'ala will obviously be happy with it and it will make the makhluk happy as well. What is required for that is, are these qualities. This tawazu, 
the sabr, shilm and tolerance, af and forgiveness. Others make mistakes. So if this forgiveness is not there, we can't then get over it. And then when we make mistakes, others can't forgive us also. So this forgiveness, overlooking, this compassion and kindness, this soft-naturedness, in the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says that soft-naturedness, this is never included in anything, illa zanahu, except that it will adorn it. A soft approach in something, a soft manner of dealing with something, wherever this comes in, it will adorn it. And wherever there is something that is hard-heartedness, something of that type, Something that's a harsh manner. Whatever that comes into, it will make it very, very defective. It will spoil it. So now all these are the qualities that we have to learn about. We have to make an effort to inculcate. And when this is acquired, then these words, the tongue will start saying that, which becomes a means of creating peace, creating harmony, creating muhabbat. Creating that kind of environment that makes everybody comfortable. That brings happiness to us, will bring happiness to others. So this is also a very, very important lesson to always bear in mind. And as mentioned, that in the selection of Rasulullah this was the ayat that was selected for this khutbah of nikah. And this is sunnah, every time we hear the nikah khutbah being recited, we hear this ayat being recited. This is the lesson in it. This is the message. Control the tongue. The words of a person... See, the words of a person, his statements are his prisoner. Because it's locked inside him. It's his prisoner. But when he finished utter it, he becomes the prisoner of what he said. Because now that's going to trap him. That's going to keep him in a corner. That's going to tie him down. That's going to restrain him from doing so many good things. Because he now made a statement that now blocks so many things. While it was still inside him, it was his prisoner. So keep it imprisoned. And think carefully before releasing it. That is this statement worthy of releasing? If that prisoner is not rehabilitated, they don't release him. So now this prisoner is still dangerous. And some prisoners, they give them life sentence. Don't let them come out at all. So some statements must be a life sentence inside us. Never ever allow it to come out. And otherwise, many prisoners get released from time to time. So all the statements are prisoners. But now they go through a parole and they scrutinize. Okay, this fellow is worthy of being released now. Fine, let him go. This is just a way of understanding it, that to think carefully what we're saying. Otherwise, we say the wrong thing, that prisoner is going to come back at us. Then we become the prisoner of our statements. And that keeps us tied up. That keeps us really then in a difficult position then and creates so much of difficulties and problems. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we become completely obedient and subservient to all his commands. Allah Ta'ala bless us with this beautiful and noble akhlaq of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Ta'ala adorn our hearts with all these noble qualities and cleanse us from all the base and evil qualities. Allah Ta'ala make us such that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with us and when we leave this world, we are happy also to leave. وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب